Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks. Wow. All right. So, uh, so man, I am so excited to be back with you guys. And uh, the past few weeks, if you haven't been around, uh, we've had uh, Pastor Ryan come, and he has done uh, just a terrific, phenomenal job taking us through a series that was called Jealousy the Good Kind. Man, that was awesome. I hope, I hope that you guys got as much out of that series as I did. Learned a ton uh, from Pastor Ryan. I'm just so thankful to be part of Grace Church, uh, where we have access to, to seriously just some of the best some of the best Bible teaching, and I was just really, really thankful for Pastor Ryan. Um, if you are a guest or if you haven't been with us in the past few weeks, I would really encourage you to go online, uh, graceohio.org, and, uh, and get that past series that Pastor Ryan did here called Jealousy the Good Kind. It was just awesome, and, and not only was it an incredible, an incredible learning experience for, for our uh, campus in particular, but it also kind of serves as a precursor for um, the series that we're going to be starting today. So I am extraordinarily excited about this next series that we're jumping into. So excited to be back with you uh, as we jump into a series called Far From Normal. And let me just say again that if you are a first-time guest or if you've maybe been gone for the past few weeks or whatever it might have been, um, thanks for being here. We're glad that you're able to be with us as we kind of jump into this. I hope that if you are a guest, you grab that free gift that we have for you as a way of just saying thanks for uh, being with us. But I just want to tell you that if it is your first time here, you could not have come at a better time. Uh, because the beginning of a series really is um, its a fantastic launching point to get connected, to investigate what's going on here at Grace. You kind of get to, to be with us at the beginning of a new thought process as we journey into this series. And so I'm very encouraged that you're here today, and I would strongly encourage you to come back and join us um, for the rest of this series. As you can probably tell from the series itself, it's called Far From Normal. The tagline explains to us that this is going to be an eight-week series. We're going to be in this for two months, and specifically what we're going to be doing over the course of eight weeks is we're going to be journeying through the book of Acts, the book of Acts. And I'm just telling you, uh, studying the past few weeks and preparing with our teams, man, I am so excited about this series and what guy yeah, and you are too whoever that was and uh and together you and i are real excited about acts but this, seriously it's awesome and uh if you're not a bible person if you've never heard of the book of acts the book of acts is a book um, contained in the new testament it's the fifth book of the new testament so it, in the new testament when you get there it's matthew mark luke and john those are the stories of jesus and then it moves to acts the book of acts and that's what we're going to be studying together um, the book of Acts is about 28 chapters in length, and so we're going to be spending eight weeks. So because of that, we're not going to be doing a chapter-by-chapter -chapter study in the book of Acts, per se, but instead, we're kind of going to be doing like a, a, a highlight reel of the book of Acts. So we're going to look at key passages that are kind of spread through the book of Acts, and we're going to be talking about the main themes and kind of the, kind of the major features um, as we go through together. And like I said, I'm so excited uh, about this, not only because of what I've learned personally, but really because of the change that it can make. This book is a powerful, powerful book. And, uh, and so I'm really excited getting into it. I'll just let you in a little bit. I've been praying for a few things specifically as it relates to this series. And here's what I've been praying for. My prayer is that by the end of this eight weeks together, like all of us collectively together as we go through this series, that there will be a few things that happen. And this is my hope. One of the things I've been praying for is that each one of us, every single one of us through this series, will be strengthened. That's my prayer. We'll be strengthened. And uh, for those of us who follow Jesus, my hope is that we will be strengthened in our faith um, as a result of going through this book together. My prayer is that for those of you who maybe don't follow Jesus yet, maybe you're investigating Jesus, and if that's, if that's where you're at, that's awesome. My hope is that you'll be strengthened uh, in your investigation as you continue to pursue the things of God. So my prayer is that you're strengthened. My prayer is that we are challenged 
that we get challenged, that this is not, we're not just coming to this book for information. We are coming to this book for transformation. Um, is this isn't just learning facts and gaining information so we can get information. Our hope is that it will ultimately lead, and this is the third thing I've been praying for, is change. Uh, that we would be strengthened, we'd be challenged, and we'd be changed. And that is what I'm praying for. And, and if you would dare to believe, um, I do believe that over the course of the next eight weeks that real life change is going to happen. Um, not only in your life individually and in your family, but also in the life of this church. And so I'm coming into it with great expectancy, uh, believing that God is going to use the Bible, use his word to, to produce life change in us. So having said all that, I let you in on what I'm praying for. So why don't we just go ahead and pray? Let's, let's pray. Just a great way to start the series. Let's just take a little bit of time. And if you would join me, I'll pray for us. And then we'll jump, we'll jump right on in and we'll start getting into the book of Acts. So let's pray. Jesus, I just, I want to say thank you so much for, um, man, just for preserving this book for us, the book of Acts. And Lord, we come to you uh, with great expectancy, asking you that, uh, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, uh, prepare our lives, God, for the, for the change that you want to bring about in each one of us. And God, I'm, I'm just so thankful that, uh, that you have preserved this book for our, for our personal benefit, that we could grow through it. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would use it to transform us. Lord, I want to pray for, the, for those of us who follow Jesus in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would use this to strengthen and solidify our faith. I pray that you would use it to challenge us and to change us. And Lord, for the person in the room who doesn't follow you, who's investigating you, trying to figure out whether or not they believe this or not, I pray equally, God, that you would use this uh, to strengthen them as well in their investigation uh, as they pursue these things. So God, thank you for this book. We're excited about digging into it this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you got your Bibles, let's take them. Let's get right to it. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. All right. Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. It's a good place to start. Uh, Acts chapter 1. And let me just say that if uh, you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, like if you, didn't, uh, if, you don't, if you don't have a copy of your own Bible, that is totally cool. We actually have some that are available for you out there in those chairs. So hopefully you're with our, in arm's reach. You can grab one of those and you can turn to page 758. In those Bibles that we have provided us, we're going to find Acts chapter 1. Let me just also say this, that if you're a person, um, like if you're a guest and you just don't own a Bible, flat out don't own one, or you don't have a newer translation, do me a favor. Take one of ours, make it a gift from us to you. Write your name in it. It's a Labor Day gift. I don't know how that makes sense, but take it and, uh, and enjoy it. It's a gift from us to you. And as you guys are getting to Acts chapter 1, it probably would be in our best interest if I just lay down some background. Okay, so let me give you a little background that's going to help us as we go through this series together. I'm going to give you some facts in the book of Acts. I call this Acts Facts. Acts Facts. It's kind of fun to say. You probably want to try it, don't you? You feel like a duck. So let's, in the count of three, give it a try together. We're going to say Acts Facts. All right? One, two, three. Go for it. Acts Facts. It's kind of fun to do, isn't it? It's fun. If you guys were, if you were that person that's like, I'm not going to say it, you missed out. It was awesome. So here's some Acts Facts, just some basic background for you um, on the book of Acts. Let's start with the author. Um, the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke, and uh, for some of you, uh, that might sound very familiar, that name may sound very familiar, and the reason it does is because this is not the only book that Luke has written. Luke also wrote, as you can guess, the Gospel of Luke, and so uh, like I was saying earlier, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the stories of Jesus, and so the Gospel of John was written by the same guy who wrote the book of Acts, and that is Luke. Um, as a matter of fact, the book of Luke and the book of Acts are actually intended to go together. It's kind of like volume one and volume two. So you can almost view Acts as a sequel 
um, to the letter of, uh, that was written in uh, the Gospel of Luke. The, both of these books are addressed to the same audience. They were written about the same time. So it's volume one and volume two. Acts is sort of like volume two of the Gospel of Luke. So that's one of the things that we know. Uh, we do know some things about Luke, uh, not only from the Bible, but also from history. So I'll just, I'll just give you a couple things. One of the things we know is we know that Luke was an educated physician. Okay? He was a doctor. Uh, we are told that. Paul mentions Luke by name, calls him a doctor uh, in the book of Colossians, so we know that about him. We also know, not simply because he was a physician, uh, but because of historians and commentators, that Luke was a very educated person. And one of the ways that we know that is when you look at the, the original writing of, the, of uh, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, one of the things that you notice, Greek scholars will tell you, um, that Luke wrote with a very sophisticated writing style. So he was, he was a very, very smart guy, very educated, very sharp, uh, probably well-respected, most likely probably pretty affluent. And, uh, and so he was a good thinker. Um, he was a, a highly educated guy. And that's a little bit of what we know about Luke. Here's another thing we know about Luke. We also know that he was a personal friend and he was a co-laborer with the Apostle Paul. So in the book of Acts, what we're going to see is there are some points in the book of Acts where, uh, where Luke talks about himself. He's like, yeah, I was there when that happened. And, uh, and so we know that he was a kind of a co-worker with, he probably followed the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul did his ministry. So we know a little bit about Luke that way. We also know historians tell us that Luke was one of these guys who was martyred for his faith, which meant that, uh, that he was killed because of his belief in Jesus Christ. So here's what you need to know about Luke. This guy's legit, all right? He is smart, he is educated, and he is dedicated um, to the person of Jesus Christ. That's the author. Just a little bit about him. A few other things, a couple more Acts facts for you. Um, it was written, the book of Acts was written around 60 to 63 AD. It's about the, the time span that it was written. And uh, it would have been written, so if you think about it, this is about 25 to 30 years after Jesus would have uh, you know, been resurrected and the crucifixion or the resurrection happened. And then the book of Acts talks about pretty much the first 30 years of what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. So if you think about it like this, you have the Gospel of Luke, right? That covers the life of Jesus. That would have been about 33 years. And then you have volume two, the book of Acts, and that covers pretty much the next 30 years after Jesus, what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. And so th these two things are complementary. They're intended um, to kind of work together. The other thing we know is that, the, uh, that the, it was written to the audience was a guy named Theophilus. Theophilus, there's a name for you. If you ever have a hard time remembering Theophilus, uh, just remember this, that he had Theophilus' name in the New Testament. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, he liked it. Very, very good. That's what you get when you go to Bible school. That's what you get. So he had Theophilus. But anyway, Theophilus, we know a few things about Theophilus too from history. Um, Theophilus, in the book of Luke, when you read the introduction of the book of Luke, um, Luke says to Theophilus, he calls him most excellent Theophilus. And that wasn't just a compliment. That was actually a title that would have been given to this guy. He, the, meaning this, Theophilus was most likely a high-ranking official in the, Roman, in the Roman government, right? He would have been a man of esteem, he would have been a man who had some clout. He would have been respected. He would have been a man of authority. And so Theophilus, he, he's this guy that Paul or that, uh, that Luke is writing to, is this, this man, Theophilus. Um, we know that Theophilus most likely was probably a believer in Jesus Christ. And so why is Luke writing this book to Theophilus? Well, he actually tells us. He, he gives us the, the reason flat out. 
um, in the Gospel of Luke. He tells us why he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts to Theophilus. And here it is, Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, Theophilus, I'm writing this to give you an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So, so here's, why, here's why Luke is writing to Theophilus. He basically is saying, I want to write you an orderly account. In other words, I want to compile evidence. I want to I interview witnesses. I want to give you credible sources so that I can, I can uh, affirm the validity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I can confirm the legitimacy of the church. And he says, and I'm, I'm writing this to you, Theophilus, so that you can be strengthened in the certainty of your faith. So you got to understand something about Luke. Okay? Luke was not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Um, some of the Gospels were written by Jesus' disciples. So for example, the Gospel of John, John was a disciple of Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. Those guys were eyewitnesses to everything that Jesus did. That wasn't Luke. Luke was not one of his disciples. So you got to think of Luke like this. Here's what Luke was like. He was like um, an investigative reporter. That's what he was like. He was this highly educated, almost like, imagine like a defense lawyer. That's what Luke was like. And he would gather evidence. He would interview the witnesses. He would uh, test and approve sources. And then he compiled all of that data together into what we call now the Gospel of Luke and to the book of Acts. And basically he says, these things, Theophilus, are guaranteed to give you certainty of the things that you believe. And that's why he's writing. And I'll just tell you, for us modern thinkers... Uh, man, this book is so helpful for us because here we have someone who's looking at it with a critical eye but also says, I want to affirm to you the validity of these things that happen. So that's just a little bit of what you need to know. That's going to help us as we kind of journey through um, the book of Acts together. So having said all that, now those are some Acts facts. I'll probably give you more Acts facts next week as well. But why don't we just go ahead and start in verse 1. So Acts 1, verse 1. Let's go ahead and jump into it. You ready? Here we go. So he says in verse 1, In my former book... My former book, which would have been what? Tell me. Luke. Luke. Good. You guys are great. In my former book, Theophilus, we just talked about him. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them look at this, over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And I think that's something that's worth mentioning real quick. I think for some of us, uh, when we think about Jesus being crucified and then resurrected, when we read about it in the Gospels, some of us maybe think of it like this. We think Jesus was crucified, and then he rose from the dead. He stuck around for like a couple hours, and then he left. Some of us kind of think that way, but that's not the case. What we see here, Luke tells us that, no, after Jesus rose from the dead, he actually stuck around for about 40 days, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. That's, that's like a you know, month and a half that Jesus is hanging out. He's, he's, and the Bible says, what's he doing? He's revealing himself to his disciples. He's revealing himself to, to other people. And, and the Bible says that Jesus spent 40 days giving many convincing proofs that he was still alive. Some of you may not have thought, thought of that before, but Jesus stuck around for 40 days. And, uh, and we're told that not only did Jesus reveal himself to his disciples, not only did he, re did he reveal himself to the women, to Mary and Martha, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus actually revealed himself to over 500 witnesses. Now, you've got to remember, the time that Luke is writing this would have been about 25 or 30 years after that occurred. So many of those witnesses are still alive 
I mean, you could go talk to people. Remember that time Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, that was weird. Now, you could talk to these people about it. It's insane. And so he says that Jesus stuck around for about 40 days. Verse 4. On one occasion, he says, while he was eating with them. I don't know why I think that's so awesome. But can you imagine eating with the resurrected Jesus? That's so cool. Jesus is like, you know, I've been dead for three days. And I'll just tell you, it's built up quite an appetite. You know? <laughs> could really go for some bacon, you know. And so Jesus is sitting down, he's eating with them, and he, the Bible says he gives him this command. This is what he says to him. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, don't go anywhere, but I want you to wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now that's interesting. Here's Jesus, right? He's sitting down, he's, eat, he's eating a meal with his disciples, which is just awesome. And he gives him a commandment. He says, guys, I don't want you to go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And he's like, because in a few days, um, my father is going to give you the gift that he promised. He's like, you guys remember I've been telling you about it for a long time now. I've been talking about this gift that, that God wanted to give you. What is Jesus talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. What he's talking about, you see right there in the passage, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, some of you might not know this, but even before Jesus was crucified, he oftentimes and in many places told his disciples that there will be a day where he will go into heaven and the Holy Spirit will come down and give them a new power. So let me just, just for the sake of time, I'll just give you two passages where we see this. There's many more, but I'll just give you two. One is in John chapter 14. So in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking with his disciples. Here's what he says. He says, I will ask the Father... And he's going to give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, that's what Jesus says, who leads you into all the truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. So Jesus says there's going to come one day when the Holy Spirit is going to come. It's a he. It's not an it. It's a he. And he is going to live in you. That's what Jesus says. This is the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's one more passage. In John 16, Jesus is speaking again with his disciples. And he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Then watch verse 7. This is kind of crazy. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. He's like, it's better that I leave for your sake. Why? Because if I don't, then the, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, won't come. And if I do go away, then I'm going to send him to you. So Jesus often would teach about his disciples. He's like, you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to get crucified, but don't worry, I'm going to raise from the dead. And the disciples didn't understand that at all. But then Jesus did that, and he, said, and he taught his disciples. He said, and one day, man, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to give you a new power uh, that you can't even imagine. And that's what he's talking about here when he tells these guys. He's like, guys, remember how I've been talking about that? He's like, in a few days... It's going to happen. In a few days, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then look at verse 6. Then they gathered around him, all the disciples gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So, so they're all excited now, right? Jesus just rose from the dead, and they're all like, man, this is, is this it, Jesus? Like, is this it? Is this like the grand finale? Is this when you're, you're going to judge the world, and you're going to sit on your throne, and you're going to fix everything and make everything right? Like, is this it? right? Is this the end? Is this, is this the apocalypse? You know, is this it, Jesus? And they're really excited, which of course I would think that. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, this guy rose from the dead. That's not normal. And, uh, and so, you know, Jesus is like, I'm here. I hear it. And they're like, are you going to do it now? Is this the grand finale? 
And I love Jesus' response. Look what he says there in verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, my translation, this is the Tony version, Jesus said, that is for me to know and for you to shut up. <laughs> right? uh, you don't need to know that, is what he said. And I, I love this because I want you to notice these disciples are like, Jesus, is this it? Are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to set everything right? Is this the time when you sit on the throne? Right? It's very focused on him. And Jesus said, now that's none of your business. But then in the very next verse, he turns the attention from him right back to them. And he puts the onus and the responsibility on them. And he, look what he says. This is awesome. He says, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about that. Don't focus on your anticipation. Instead, I want you to focus on your responsibility because I'm going to give you power. In a few days, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And he says, and that power is going to cause you to utterly turn the world upside down. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. He says, you guys are going to change things. Now, I've got to tell you, this verse, this one verse is seriously such a powerful verse. Because in it, one of the things that we see in this is we see the foreshadowing of the greatest, most explosive movement, and I'm not even exaggerating, that the world has ever seen. This is the foreshadowing of everything that we're about to see take place in the book of Acts. And I'm telling you, man, this series is going to be awesome. You better buckle up because it is crazy, some of the stuff that we're going to see. It's insane. Watching this series is going to be wicked awesome because the book of Acts is wicked awesome. And you get to see what the Holy Spirit does in the life of very ordinary people. But it all starts with this one little verse in verse 8, where we see the foreshadowing of the greatest movement that the world has ever seen. And I want you to notice what Jesus says. Just look at verse 8 again. I don't want you to miss it. He says, but you, you guys, are going to receive power, is what he says, through the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you guys are people that write in your Bible. I like to write in my Bible. But if you are, would you just do me a favor? Would you circle that word power? And if you write in your Bible, maybe just write in the margin, dynamite. That's what you want to write. And the reason I want you to write that is because the original Greek word where that word power comes from is the same word where we get our English word dynamite from. Jesus is basically talking to his disciples and he's saying, listen, you guys are about to get a power, a, a dynamic force is about to enter in your life. And it's going to empower you to do things that you could never do for do yourselves. And you're going to utterly transform and turn this world upside down on its head because the Holy Spirit is about to come to you. And I got to tell you guys that this verse, I love this verse, not only because, it's not, only, not only is it the foreshadowing of, a, of everything that's about to happen in the books of, a book of Acts, the most dynamic force that the world has ever seen, but another reason I love this verse so much is because it contains within it some of the most basic fundamental truths of Christianity. And, and let me just, I'll just put it this way. Um, I think that one of the most compelling aspects of Christianity, and if you're a person that's investigating Christ, investigating the whole Christian thing, I think you should consider this because I'll just tell you, this is one of the most compelling things to me about Christianity. One of the most compelling things to me about, about Christianity is that in its very essence, at its very core, what it's centrally about, is not religion. It's not about religion at all. If you, in fact, we, we have over the years, we've made it into religion, but that's not what it's supposed to be at its core. So if you think about it, what is religion? If you go to dictionary.com 
or you were to go to, to you know, the Merriam-Webster dictionary site and you were to look up religion, my guess is that it would probably tell you something like this, that a religion is a set of behaviors and beliefs. Because that's what religion is concerned with. It's concerned with belief and behavior and belief and behavior. What do you think and how do you act? That's religion. And, and, and here's the thing, okay? Christianity involves those things. But that is not the central teaching of the Christian faith. Because those things, belief and behavior, those are things that come from me. Those are things that I do. And like I said, Christianity involves those things, but that's not the central aspect of Christianity. Here's the central aspect of Christianity. Christianity is all about what God has done for you. That's what the heartbeat of Christianity is all about. It's not about what we do. It's about what he has done. So the book of Luke, what's that, what's that about? It's about the fact that Jesus died a sacrificial death for us that we could not die for ourselves. Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do on our own. And what does the book of Acts tell us? Well, here's what it teaches us. It tells us that now God is going to give us power to live a life that we do not have power to live. Now, you understand that, that, that the heartbeat of Christianity is not about, it's not about enlightenment, Okay, it's not about what you know. It nors it about encouragement. It's not about like, just keep doing the right thing. You can live a better life. And you know, if you try harder, you can do it. That's not what Christianity is about. It's not about, it's not about enlightenment. It's not about encouragement. At its very core, Christianity is about empowerment. It's about God doing for you what you could not do for yourself. And not only dying for your sins, but now also through the Holy Spirit giving you power to live a life that you don't have the power to live. And I'm just telling you guys, man, for me and for you, but I'm just selfish. So for me, man, this is good news. This is really good news. And I'll tell you why, all right? Because if Jesus, if he would have left his disciples and if he would have left us with nothing more than the example of his life, right? He, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was awesome. If that's all he did was leave an example of his life, I'm just telling you, that wouldn't be very helpful for me. That wouldn't be very helpful. In fact, if anything, it probably would create more guilt in me. Because if you look at Jesus' life, man, he lived a perfect life. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he never sinned. I'm like, yeah, that's a good example. But at the same time, it's also very discouraging because I am not sinless. I can't live. I'm tempted in many ways, and I sin. Jesus was tempted in many ways, and he did not sin. The Bible says Jesus was, was perfect in his forgiveness. I mean, you guys all know the scene. Jesus is on the cross, dying for the sins of humanity. Everyone is mocking him, spitting at him. What does he do? He prays. He prays on the cross for the people who are, who are beating him and accusing him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm just telling you, if all Jesus left me was his example, it would not be helpful because his perfection dwarfs my efforts. I could never live the life in and of myself that Jesus Christ lived. In the same way, if all Jesus did was leave his teaching for me, and that's it, right? Again, I don't think that'd be very helpful because, I mean, have you read his teaching? It's not just hard, it's impossible. You guys remember some of the stuff he said? Remember in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter five to seven, and Jesus, he said this, he said, if, he said you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And I'm like, I think I could probably do that one. I think I could probably, Jesus said, yeah, but if you even look lustfully at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. I'm like, well, I'm done then. I'm out. And so are you, by the way, right? Because every time you come here, you look at me and I understand. <laughs> and 
you guys remember when Jesus said, uh, he said, if you, I, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. He's like, but I, I tell you that if you even call your brother Raka, which means idiot, that's what it means, that you've already committed murder in your heart. I'm like, well, if that's the case, I'm, I'm in trouble then because on my drive here this morning, right? And when I'm in the car driving, I'm constantly, Raka, you know, <laughs> over the road. And, uh, and I'm just telling you, if Jesus just gave us his teaching, I am, I'm doomed, and you are too. If he just gave us his example, we're doomed, right? But here's the beautiful part about Christianity. Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what he's done. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, and I, I actually think that this is why he tells his disciples not to do anything, because he understands that in their own power, in their own effort, they're just going to mess it up. So Jesus looks at his disciple, and he's like, guys, guys, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem. Don't touch anything, right? That's what he says to him. The picture that comes in my mind when I think about that is, uh, is I think of my kids, and I remember uh, a few, well, it was probably a month ago or so, my wife and I made the biggest mistake. This was so dumb. It was my fault. But we, uh, we had a family day, and so we, we, you know, it was a day off, and all of us were together. So we went to Dunkin' Donuts, and we got the kids all sugared up on donut holes. And then after that, we had this brilliant idea. We're like, why don't we walk across the parking lot and go check out the Medina Antique Mall? right? Which is awesome, by the way, but not with two little kids. So we go in there, and these kids just ate donuts, so they're like, you know, and we get in there, and if you've ever been into an antique mall, you know what it's like. Everything's very old, very expensive, and very fragile, and it's all cluttered. There's like this much space to walk when you go in there, and so we get in there, and oh my gosh, the whole time I was just like high alert. My kids are, and at one point, I looked at both of my kids, and I just said, just stay where you're at. Don't touch anything. And they're like, well, can I walk over to you? No. You know, can I breathe? No. You know, and, and so finally, my wife and I, I just put my oldest on my shoulders and she put the youngest on her shoulders. We're like, we just have to do it because they don't have it in themselves. It was my fault, but I was like, they don't have it in themselves to, 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 to not break everything, you know? And I think in the same way, Jesus looks at his disciples. He's like, guys, don't do anything. Don't go, don't say anything. You guys are about to change the world, but you got to understand, you don't have the power to do it. So you need to wait because God is going to give you the power to do that. And guys, that's good news for me. It's good news for you because I'll just be honest, Tony Lavigny on his own, in his own power, I'll just be honest, I make a mess of things. I am a wreck. Um, I am, a, I, there is, I, I am convinced there is no pure motive in my heart. And even the good things I do are laced with pride and arrogance. And, and, and the, the more I follow Jesus, the more I am so aware of my fallenness and my sinfulness. I am just like, man, I'm a mess. You guys, I am, I am the most selfish person I know. And, and maybe I should check out your life, but I don't want to. I'm more interested in mine. I'm the most selfish person. I'm arrogant. I am full of pride. I'm just telling you, I, on my own, I am an ordinary mess, just like the rest of us are, and just like the disciples were. When you look at the life of the disciples, these guys are ordinary guys that are making a mess of things, and Jesus says, don't touch anything. You're going to mess it up. He says, but here's the good news. The good news is that you don't have to come up with that power on your own. God's going to give it to you. So the book of Luke, what's the book of Luke all about? It's about what Jesus did for us. What's the book of Acts all about? Here's what it's about. It's about what God is going to do through you and what he wants to do through us. He doesn't simply give us power uh, for the forgiveness of sins. He also gives us power to live a life that we don't have the ability to live. When you guys read the Bible, when I read the Bible, I see a lifestyle that looks impossible to me. 
And God's like, that's exactly the point because I'm going to be the one that empowers you for that type of living. You guys, I'm just going to tell you, when we go through this series, what we're about to find in the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit's going to come just like Jesus promised. And I'm just telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes, he redefines what normal is. He utterly redefines it. And all of a sudden, there is a new power that is available to those who follow Jesus, and it results in transformation of epic proportions. It's unbelievable. And and I'm just telling you, as we go through this series, you need to prepare for that, because that's what we're going to see. And as we go through this book, I'm just going to warn you, if you've never read the book of Acts before, um, some of you are really going to struggle, because there are a lot of very weird things that we see happen, a lot of abnormal things, a lot of far from normal things that happen in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, people start doing some really weird stuff, and then the Bible tells us that that day, Peter, you know, ordinary Peter, preaches a sermon that takes that, that uh, 3,000 people in that one day become Christians. I mean, it's weird. The Bible's going to talk to us about a community of people who are selling possessions and helping each other, who are living selfless, sacrificial lives out of a love for one another. I'm telling you, it's weird. And you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, that is so strange. That is so abnormal. You're going to see people in this book who are empowered by God to do things that just no man could do. And you're going to look at that and say, man, that is just weird. You're going to watch in this, in this you're going to watch um, guys who are being persecuted for what they believe, beaten, imprisoned, and in the, in the midst of all of it, they're singing hymns. And they, they have joy, and it's weird. You guys are going to see stuff, you're going to see a boldness in this book that you, it's just, it's strange to us. There's one, there's one occasion that we're going to look at, it's so awesome, where the Apostle Paul goes into a city and he preaches the gospel, and the people get so mad at him that, um, that they end up, you know, getting to a place where they actually, Paul gets stoned, not like stoned, but like stoned, they stone Paul, and then they drag, they think he's dead, and they drag him out of the city, and then the Bible says that he gets up again after, he's just like, well, I'm going back, and he goes back in, and he keeps preaching the gospel. I'm just telling you, we're going to see stuff in this book that for us is going to seem weird. It's going to seem far from normal, but here's the question that I think we have to deal with I think here, here, here's the real heartbeat of this whole series is, I think we need to ask this question though. Is it that, we are, is it that, that they are far from normal? Or is it more that we are actually the ones who are far from normal? Could it be, and I just want to just entertain the possibility as we enter into this series, that maybe it's not that they're weird. Maybe it's that we're weird. Maybe what we see in the book of Acts is actually what should be normal for the person that follows Jesus. Could you be open to that? I don't know if you guys have ever had it in your life where you thought something was normal, only to find out that the thing you thought was normal, everyone else considered abnormal, and so you realized, I'm the weird one. Has that ever happened to you? That happens to me frequently. And uh, one of the times that happened, I think that's most, that's just very strong in my mind, is a few years ago, I had this really, really kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I got, I don't even know how it happened, but I got a call uh, from a group of people that, that were, they were putting on this conference. And they asked me to come and participate in the conference. Would you come and participate and maybe speak a few times and, uh, and, and get this? The conference was in Soldotna, Alaska. And they're like, we'll pay for you to come up and we'll, you know, we'll provide a host home family for you to stay in. And so I was like, well, dude, I got to go. This is like a free trip to Alaska. You know, I'm so going. And so, uh, so I said yes and all that kind of thing. I got on the plane. Now, mind you, when I went, it was in the middle of January. 
So not the most ideal time to go to Alaska. You know, they're limited on sun, sunlight. They get tons of snow. So anyway, I go up there, and uh, I get to the host home that I was staying with. And one of the, the, one of the, the host home family, they had a son who was about my age. And he and I, we actually kind of had known each other before, so we were, we were friends. And so he's like, dude, he's like, after you're done with the conference, he's like, let me know because I'm going to take you out and show you what Alaska's all about. I was like, that's awesome. So I had a few days that I was teaching, and then after that, I had a couple days that I was just free to be in Alaska. And so I was like, that'll be cool. So I got done with the conference, and my friend is like, all right, man, you ready to see like, to the real Alaska? I was like, yeah, man, show me around. You know? He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go snow machining. And I was like, I don't know what that is. But that, so I didn't, even, I didn't even let on. I was just like, awesome. I have no idea what he's talking about. You know? So he's like, I'm going to get some friends together. We're going to go snow machining. So he pulls some friends together. And we all kind of get together, and they're like, these guys were all talking about how awesome snow machining was. And the last time we went snow machining, remember that? And the whole time I'm like, oh, it sounds so cool. And I'm like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And so finally, we get to this garage where the snow machines were at. And we walk in, and of course, you know, when you open it up, some of you guys know this, there were just snowmobiles. And, and I was like, oh, we're going snowmobiling. And these guys looked at me and laughed at me. Like, I was the biggest idiot. They were just like, snowmobiles? Like, that's weird. You're weird. Your face is strange. You know, there's, there's like, that's so weird. And I was like, no, no, we call them snowmobiles. Like, no, they're snow machines. It's like, no. Well, we're from, the, we call them snowmobiles. I said, in Ohio, we call snow machines machines that make snow. And you got to remember, these guys are from Alaska. So they're like, why would you need a machine to make snow? You know, these are snow machines. I was like, all right, fine. We'll just agree to disagree. You know, and and I was and I realized I was a weird one. These guys are normal. I was a weird one. So we went out for the next couple of days and we went snow machining. And I'm just telling you, we had a riot. Oh, so fun. These guys were crazy. I mean, they were doing tricks and they were all kinds of fun stuff. And I love that kind of stuff. So I was a good time. And I remember distinctively on one 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 particular part of that trip, we were snow machining and. Um, I saw these really strange-looking shrubs on the side of the of the path, and I was like, I was like, dude, those are really weird-looking bushes. And again, they looked at me and they just started laughing. I'm sure you can catch a catch a theme here. And they're like, dude, those aren't bushes, those are treetops. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, so much stuff. We had so much fun, and it was awesome. And I'll just tell you, by the end of that two day, those two days, I came to realize that if anyone has the right to name that machine. It is the people from Alaska, right? And so I realized I'm the weird one. I'm the weird one. They're the normal ones. And here, here's the thing that I think, and this is in the series. Would you be open to the fact that maybe, would you be open to the possibility that maybe it's not that they're weird, it's that we're weird. I wonder sometimes if the Apostle Paul and Peter and Barnabas and Apollos and these guys that we're going to introduce to in this book, I wonder sometimes if they were here today and they were to talk to you and I about our Christian life, and they were to look at our church, I wonder if they would look at us and just go, you guys are weird. That's what you call Christianity? That's, that's, far, that's far from normal. And I think we need to be open to the fact that maybe we're weird. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, for the, like I said, this is an introduction. For the next eight weeks, we are going to go through key passages in the book of Acts. Just, we're going to look at a story, and we're going to ask three questions, just three these are the three questions we're going to ask just to prepare you. Number one, we're going to ask this. With the Holy Spirit, what should be normal for the Christian? What should be normal? Okay. The second question, what tends to be normal in our culture? Right? What tends to be normal? And then here's the third question, and why? 
why and how do we get back to the normal Christian life as portrayed to us in the book of Acts. That's what we're going to be doing throughout this series. Just real quick, if you, if you glance down, I want, I want you to look at verse 9. So Jesus tells his disciples this, then watch what happens. This is, this is so crazy. So Jesus you know, gave his command to his disciples. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from his sight. That's crazy, right? Just, ima- just imagine this for a minute. They're sitting there talking with Jesus, and after he's done talking, he just floats away. I, that's insane, right? So there, can you imagine what the disciples must have thought of this? Jesus is just like, okay, guys, um, uh, don't go anywhere. Wait for the Spirit. He's going to come in a few days. You guys got any questions? All right, no questions? All right, I'll see you guys. I'm out. <laughs> can you guys just imagine what the disciples must have thought? They are probably like, uh... We were not expecting that at all. You know, it just <laughs> floats away. But then, I think this is, I don't know why I find this so comical, but look at this next part in verse 10. So they were looking intently up into the sky. So Jesus is, Jesus is floating away, and they're watching him. And you can just imagine, I'm sure you would do this too, they're probably straining their eyes as Jesus continued, like, like, a, like a balloon that floats away. They're just like, oh, there he goes, you know. And then look at this next part. When suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. okay. These two guys just show up. They weren't there before. Now they're there. And look at what they say. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I don't know. Because Jesus floated away? I don't, you know, seems like a good reason to me. They're like, what are you looking at? And they're like, uh, Jesus. And then they, they, they say this next part. The same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. You guys, this is important because Jesus said, I have to ascend so that the Holy Spirit will descend. And what we'll see in Acts chapter 2 is that it's exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit shows up and redefines normal. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at together. We ask the band to come up. And uh, as they kind of settle in, I just want to close. Nothing too crazy. This is an introduction. So we're just trying to get our feet, just our toes in the water. Um, but let me just end with, a, with just a couple challenges, and then, and then we'll be finished. Okay. So for the person that follows Jesus, for those of us who are Christians, um, this is all I want you to do this week. I just want you to be open to, to the option. Is it possible that maybe we're the weird ones? Is it possible that we've drifted from normal and that somewhere along the line that we have settled for less than what God actually intends for us, for our church, for our families, for us personally? Is that possible? Would you be willing to be open to that as we go through this book? For those of you who are not followers of Jesus, here's my challenge for you. And we say this every week. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I understand you might not agree with everything we say, um, but I count it, I just want to let you know, I count it a privilege that as you're investigating Christ, that you would allow us to be part of that investigation. And here, here, here's my challenge to you. Would you join us for this series as we investigate the book of Acts together? My hope is that as we look at what Christianity should be, not, not what the culture presents it to be, because I think, honestly, we've drifted away from what it ought to be. But as we look at it, would you be willing to consider the validity, as, as, the, as Luke is presenting for us, of this message of Jesus Christ? Be willing to do that. And then for all of us, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, either way, I have a challenge I want to give to you as well. Um, 40 days, we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be looking at key passages to the book of Acts, and we're not going to be looking at um, like the whole book, verse by verse. But I would encourage you to go through this reading plan. Um, this is 40 days. It's a reading plan that goes through the entire book of Acts. Um, you'll see it's not very rigorous, but I would just encourage you, in this 40 days, maybe you would join us 
and read the book of Acts together. It's awesome. And I want you to get in there. And then the other thing I want to <clears throat> draw your attention to is on the opposite side. Sorry, get some water. Good to go. Okay, so on the opposite side, we've given you a memory challenge. And this is for anyone who's willing to accept it. But uh, one of the things that we very much believe is we believe that if you memorize scripture, it's one of the greatest things to help stabilize and grow your faith. So I want to challenge you to do that. And as an incentive, we were trying to talk about what could actually, you know, make you want to do this? What would be an incentive to you? And I'm not sure if this is or not, but Seth and I were like, well, what if we did this? What if we said, if 15 people, and this memory challenge is, it's hard, but if 15 people do this of any age, then Seth and I have agreed that we will, on this stage, buzz our heads. So we will shave our heads here in front of you. We'll let our wives do it for us since they have to live with us, and, uh, and that kind of thing. And if you guys have never seen me with a shaved head, I'm like the biggest doofus in the world. And, uh, and so, yeah, he's second, yeah, yeah. And, and so if you, uh, if you memorize this, I guarantee you, we will look like morons in front of you, which is normal, but, uh, but we will look like even bigger morons as a result of that. So let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll, we'll dive in next week. Jesus, I want to say thank you for this book, and I pray again, Lord, that you would use it to strengthen us, use it to challenge us, and use it to change us. My God, we come to this book believing that you are the agent of change in our hearts. Father, we do believe that with the Holy Spirit, you make extraordinary ordinary. And that's what we ask, and we, we pray for that during this series together. We pray in Christ. Amen.